Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You're listening to Faith Seeking Understanding. I'm your host, John Green. Thanks for being along today. We are continuing our look at the Sermon on the Mount. We're in chapter 6. Today we're going to be looking at verses 19 through 24, and the in the SV at least, the heading over that is lay up treasures in heaven. So Jesus begins to say, don't lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a, a, a truth that's expressed over and over in the Psalms in particular. The, uh, the brief uh, part of our life that we live here on this earth, because it's the only thing we know, we treat it as though we were immortal. I mean, the closer I get to, you know, I'm 62, and so the older I get, the more I understand this. But but it's something that's true from beginning to end. It's something that Solomon learned, finally. He got true wisdom, I believe, late in life, and, and he got it when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. I, I really do want to hold up the book of Ecclesiastes. You could read it over and over, you know, because it just doesn't take any time at all to read through it. But the truths that are expressed in there feel nihilistic, which, which, mean, which is to say that it feels like nothing actually matters. And so there, there is no point in anything, but that's not what Solomon says. He says one thing matters over and over and over, and, and, and we'll get to that in a second. But, but, but he says all this other stuff, all the wanting of things, is unimportant. The thing that he says is important is enjoying toil and the fruit of your toil. So he, he's pushing you to a place where, where he's saying that work matters, and that we should enjoy work, our ability to work, our ability to produce, and our, and our ability to, to earn comes from him. Because he says outside of that, there, you don't even have any of these possibilities. And so what he says is just basically keep your nose to the grindstone and enjoy the work that you do and that you're given to do. And you'll receive what you need based on that. And so it's not that nothing matters. No. What he's saying is the things that people think matter the things that actually do really matter to people, ultimately don't mean anything. You can't take it with you is the message, right? That's his whole point. You know, don't pursue all these things. Pursue God. So the message Jesus is giving here is exactly that. He's not being cynical. He's being a realist when he says moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. That's absolutely the most realist attitude you can take. The fact that he's telling us we can lay up treasures for ourselves in heaven is the most hopeful thing anybody could possibly say. Because what it says is that this life actually does matter. It matters in real time, but it matters even more into eternity. So it, it, there, there is an eternity is being affirmed. Don't lay up for yourselves tre- uh, treasures on earth, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. And if you put those things there, if you're lay- if, they- if that's your goal is to lay up treasures in heaven, then you need to understand what what are those treasures, right? And so you want to do that because you know those things last; they're permanent. This world is subject to decay. 
right? I mean, that's what he's talking about, rust, moth and rust. Stuff will just eat away everything you've accumulated. And Solomon will say, you know, what's the point of accumulating a lot in this life? Because I, I, the person who inherits it may be a complete fool. And we see that over and over again in this life. We see these people who um, have inherited much and done nothing with it except for blow it on their own frivolities and, and their own uh, to indulge their own appetites. And so you see, you know, families that have accumulated much wealth that now the next generation or, or two, three generations down the line are just useless, absolutely useless because they had all this stuff given to them. And now all they can do is just indulge themselves that they have no toil. They don't do any work. So it, Solomon would, would absolutely say, no, don't do this. And so Jesus is, is, is in line with those who have come before. It's where is your treasure, and there your heart will be also. So if, if we're storing up treasure in heaven, then our heart's going to be there as well, and we're going to be in the right place. We're going to be the right kind of people because we're going to want to know, what is it that I do to lay up treasure in heaven? And then you conform to that. You know, we conform to whatever it is we value, right? I mean, when, when I was doing um, expert testimony, I spent a lot of time studying and reading certain kinds of publications so that I could get better and better at what I did. But then also there was a physical, personal presentation that I had to work on to say, I, I want to be able to express myself in this kind of way. I need to know who I'm dealing with, what kind of people I'm dealing with, in order that I can express myself in such a way that I can be heard and that my opinions will be accepted as valid and reasonable. And so we, we, I set my life on becoming that person, looking like that person, acting like that person, and, and knowing all the things necessary to be that person. And, and at that point, there was one point in time when after, um, after I gave a testimony, um, well, after it was over with, I was first asked, you know, have you been, are you, are you a CPA? No, I'm not. Um, have you ever worked for a, a big six firm? No, I have not. Have you ever been a partner in a big six firm? Well, if I didn't work there and I, I'm not a CPA, then the chances of me being a partner are not very good and then go through this whole thing. And so then they said, so why should we accept your opinion over this other guy's who has all these qualifications, and my response was, well, his qualifications to do that, to be a, to be a CPA, don't aren't the same as the qualifications to do what we're doing today. I'm not asking him to audit anything. I'm not asking him to do accounting related stuff or auditing related stuff. That's not what our what our job here is today. Our job is to determine a value of something, and that's not a balance sheet equation. There's more to it than that. It's a, a dynamic process, and we have to figure that out. And so it, it's, it's a, a part of the balance sheet, but it's also a, a function of taxes. It's also a function of the P&L and the cash flow statement. All those things articulate together to ultimately determine what a willing buyer would pay for that business. And, and that moves it beyond the realm of accounting, and it moves it into a different kind of place. And so that was my, my answer was is that, that I'm as qualified as he is to do this. Um, the, we have the same um, designations behind our name as it relates to valuating a business. And so afterward, um, after they accepted my 
uh, valuation rather than that guy's, uh, the court did. Then, then I went to that uh, firm, the the law firm that asked me that question, those questions, and said, I gave him a card and said, next time you hire an expert, you should you should probably hire a good one. And and I realized at that moment that I really didn't like myself, but it was the person that I became because of what I wanted. Right? I wanted recognition. I wanted success. I wanted all that stuff. And then I realized at that moment what I'd become and what I had uh, lost in becoming that and, and realized just to my own dismay that I probably needed to get out of that business sooner rather than later. God provided the, the way for me to do that. But I had to come first come to the conclusion that, that I was pursuing all the wrong things and that I was becoming all the wrong things as well. God already had the plan prepared. In order to get John to go along, John had to see where the path he was on actually led. And it, it was on the wrong path. And so then God called me out of that and into uh, seminary from there and then into ministry and said, if you'll apply your, your gifts and talents that I gave you <laughs> to the things I intended for you to apply them to, you'll actually be a happier person. And you'll actually be becoming the person that I want you to be and that you will ultimately discover is who you want to be. But I, I was trying to lay up treasures for myself on earth. And, and in doing so, I was conforming myself to what was required to get those things. And, and then finally, God allowed me to see it in my own arrogance at that moment. And it was just it was horrible. I was so broken that I had become a person who would say things like that um, and do things like that. I mean, did, did they need me to tell them that they that the court had accepted my valuation? Did I did I need to do that? Uh, absolutely not. They could see that for themselves. Um, but but that's the thing where your treasure is. There, your heart will be also, and you will be conformed to what is required. To get that treasure, whatever your treasure is and wherever it is, your heart's going to be there as well. And that's exactly what I experienced in my own life. Then he goes on to say, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye's healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye's bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If the, then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? And so what's Jesus saying here? And what he's saying is, is, is be careful, little eyes, what you see. Not really. What he's really saying is, be careful, little eyes, what you fix your gaze upon. Because if we're seeking after things of earth primarily, and that is the focus of, of our being, then then what happens is our eye is going to be unhealthy, and it's going to be full of darkness. Because it's seeing not the light, it's seeing that which is darkness. It doesn't look like that to us. But it is. And so the, the eye is the lamp of the body. And so what does that mean? So it, it's allowing and taking in light or it's taking in darkness. And as I said, that's exactly the argument from Ecclesiastes. What, what he's saying is there's a grief. He says, he who loves money. This is um, what chapter? Ecclesiastes 5, <clears throat> starting at verse 10. He who loves money will not be satisfied with money, nor he who loves wealth with his income. This is also vanity. When goods increase, they increase who eat them, and what advantage has the owner but to see them with his eyes? Sweet is the sleep of the laborer, whether he eats little or much, but the full stomach of the rich will not let him sleep. 
There's a grievous evil that I've seen under the sun. Riches were kept by their owner to his hurt. And those riches were lost in a bad venture. And he's the father of a son, but he has nothing in his hand. As he came from his mother's womb, he shall go again, naked as he came, and shall take nothing for his toil that he may carry away with his hand. This is also a grievous evil. Just as he came, so shall he go. And what gain is there to him who toils for the wind? Moreover, all his days he eats in darkness, in much vexation and sickness and anger. And so that's exactly what Jesus is saying here is, is that you will be in darkness because you're not fixed on the light. The light would be that thing which is eternal. And Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He's very clear about that. And so if we keep our eyes fixed on him, then we'll, our eyes will, will let light into our life. But, if, but as we turn away from him, then we're mostly bringing darkness into our lives. Now, as I said, Ecclesiastes is not nihilism. Listen to the next verse. Behold, what I've seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him for his lot. Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil. That's the gift of God. For he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. So, so he's not condemning riches. Jesus doesn't condemn riches either. But, but are those things, do they become owners of you in order to protect and preserve them? And he says, ultimately, it doesn't matter that you do that because a fool might be the one who comes after you. So it's not wrong. It, what, what's right is to enjoy every single day. That's exactly what he's saying. Enjoy every single day. Don't constantly be projecting into the future, into the future, into the future. And there will be a time then when I can take my rest because I've projected all this stuff into the future. Well, you have no earthly idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And so what we do is then we feel like we're we're bringing light into our lives and hope into our lives by, by doing projections and by saying, okay, if I pursue this path, this is where I'm going to be at the end of the day. You have no control over that. What Ecclesiastes says, what Jesus says is fix on, on laying up treasures for yourself in heaven. And if you focus on that, then you can enjoy your toil every day and the fruit of that toil on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis. But not if you focus everything on what's here. You're just going to have anxiety. And you're going to be depressed. You're going to be upset because, well, you failed to meet your projections. And he says, no one can serve two masters, for either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Not too often, that's exactly what we try to do. We try to serve God and money. And then, in my case, I was fortunate that the Lord decided, now you're not going to be able to do that. So the man I worked for committed fraud, which... Um, really just hammered our business. I did, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do anything wrong. I just was working for the wrong person. But God took away the ability to do that in order that he might give me a greater gift. And so I, for, for about two years, though, I pleaded with the Lord to give that back to me because I could do so much with it. I could do so much for his kingdom by investing in the kingdom. And, I, you know, I was given tithe, but I was also given away other money, too. And so I was really proud of myself, and I thought that was the greatest thing that I had to offer to God's kingdom. And God said, no, I can get that anywhere, John. I need you to do something specific, and, and that will ultimately become something of great joy to you, something that you can't not do. It's that important to me that I stay in his word 
and then I teach everything that he teaches me. I give away whatever he gives me because I've freely received. I'll therefore freely give. I'm not trying to lay up treasures for myself on earth. He's shown me the vanity of that. And, and that's okay. He had to show it to me. I wasn't born with that capacity. God took away everything that I could take pleasure and joy in and all the things that I could project into the future with. And he did that. And I can't say that I was pleased about it for a very long time in my life. Some days even now. <laughs> I'm not pleased. But at the same time, I, I trust in him. And he has given me such a greater inheritance than I could ever have had any other way that I'm thankful finally for all that he's done in my life in order that I might take in light rather than darkness. It's a work of God beginning to end. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.